Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Babel Effect Podcast, coming to you live once again from the Babel One Studios in New Mexico. Today, we're going to talk a little wrestling, mainly. We're going to talk about the road leading into WrestleMania, the road leading into Double or Nothing, my thoughts on professional wrestling, period, and we're going to talk some other things. Mainly, let's talk about AEW All Elite Wrestling, which I'm actually wearing one of their shirts while I do this podcast. A little shout out to AEW, the Young Bucks, Cody, and Kenny Omega. As we all know, when the pre-sale went up and available, tickets were gone within 30 minutes. However, there were more tickets made available for today's Grand opening sale, and in four minutes, ladies and gentlemen, four minutes, double or nothing, completely sold out. Now, this is telling me one of two things. Either a lot of people are excited about a new alternative to World Wrestling Entertainment, or they're really, really excited about what AEW has to bring to the table. To be quite honest, I'm very I'm very interested in seeing what AEW has to offer. The card so far looks pretty awesome. We have Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho 2. If you saw their first match in New Japan, over the IWGP United States Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 12, then you know what to expect from this second go-around. Who's to say it might top it? We don't know. Could it be the match that determines the first ever AEW Heavyweight Champion? Or will it be Pac versus Hangman that this that decides who the first ever EEW heavyweight champion is. Pac versus Hangman interests me very, very much just for the simple fact that it's two different styles. You've got a brawler and Hangman Page. You've got a high flyer submission wrestler and Pac. And Pac, who went by Neville in WWE, has no restraints on what he can do in the ring now. He doesn't have to abide by the standards and practices of WWE. So therefore, Pac is free to be a little bit more creative with his in-ring style. And if you watch him on the Dragon Gate USA promotion, you'll get an idea of what Pac is bringing to AEW. I just saw a match of his just the other day through YouTube. And the man did a tombstone pile driver from the second rope. Now, a tombstone pile driver from regular position is kind of deadly. But when you do it from the middle rope, that's, that's a little insane. Adam Page 
in my opinion, is going to be the main focal point, I believe, for AEW. Just for the simple fact is that, in my opinion, he's a great raw talent that was heavily underutilized in Ring of Honor. And, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, when he first started in the wrestling business, was a high school teacher and wrestling on the weekends. And now he's part of Ring, he was part of Ring of Honor. He's now part of AEW. So I believe that, in my opinion, the promotion's going to be based around him in some capacity. How that's done is remain to be seen. Also, we have. Cody Rhodes versus a mystery opponent. Now, there's a lot of speculation on who Cody will be facing at double or nothing. Two big names come up. Mike Tremont, if I pronounce his last name right, is from the CZW promotion, Combat Zone Wrestling. They're known for the barbed wire matches, the... King of the Death match matches. And from my understanding, Matt is a pretty big deal in this promotion. And Cody has a vested interest in competing with this man at Double or Nothing. The other name that has been brought up for Cody to face at Double or Nothing is his older brother, Dustin. Dustin, you will know from WWE as Gold Dust. I'm not sure where he stands with WWE contract-wise. This could be a one-time thing that Dustin has been able to agree upon with WWE to allow him to do this. It could be something in honor of his of their father, Cody and Dustin's father, Dusty, the American Dream. If it is Dustin, I'm very excited to see that match. Um, Tremont, I'm not too familiar with him. I do plan on looking up some of his matches to see where he, uh, to see what he has to bring if he is facing Cody. Some other names mentioned is Dean Ambrose, who is most likely leaving WWE around the time of Double or Nothing. So that will be an interesting match. Uh... Cody versus Dean Ambrose. Marty Skrull is another one. Um, that'd be pretty interesting there. Marty versus Cody. That would be a great, great match there. One name that was thrown out there that I highly doubt is going to happen is going to be Goldberg. The only reason why this name has been thrown out from my understanding is that Goldberg was in Las Vegas around the time... That Cody and the Bucks were scouting out MGM Grand to do the seating chart and everything. And apparently Goldberg met with the Young Bucks and Cody. So I'm not really sure on that one. That one is pretty far-fetched. But would be a definite shock value to see Cody versus Goldberg at double or nothing. Another match, and I'm very excited for the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. 
Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, who, might I add, just won the Impact World Tag Team titles on a recent episode of Impact Wrestling. So it's very interesting to see the dynamic of how that is going to play out with AEW in Impact when it comes to the Lucha Brothers. As far as I know, Penta and Ray Phoenix, not only do they do Impact, but they do Lucha Underground, they do Crash Wrestling, which is in Mexico, which is Conan's wrestling promotion. So it's going to be interesting to see how much the Lucha Brothers are used in AEW if they come on full time. Another match that I'm looking forward to is, um, I believe the gal's name is Kylie Ray, Britt Baker, and Nyla Rose. Now, speaking of Nyla Rose, I'm going to bring her up just for the simple fact that there was some controversy regarding her and another wrestler who was signed by AEW, and that person's name is Sonny Kiss. The reason why I bring up these two people is, one, Sonny Kiss is an openly gay male wrestler in the sport. He doesn't hide it. A lot of people give him praise. Some people give him flack mm -hmm. because he uses that for whatever monumental gain. Nyla Rose, on the other hand, she is openly transgender. She used to be male. Now she's female. A lot of people saying that she's going to have an advantage in AEW's women's division because she used to be a man. Here's an understanding that everybody needs to understand. And I did my research on this before I make this statement. When a man transgenders into a woman and they do the hormone therapy, a lot of their muscle tissue does break down. So... The so-called advantage for used to being a male kind of is thrown out the window. So, it's, it's needless to say that I don't think Nyla Rose is going to have an advantage. It'll be interesting to see what Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and Kylie Ray bring to AEW. I'm also looking forward to seeing what other... Female wrestlers are going to be added to AEW. Some names I would really love to see. Velvet Sky. Angelina Love. Um, God. There's just um, so many great female talents out there. I could go on forever. But to name a few... Um, Let's see, who else would I like to see in that mix? Um, Tessa Blanchard, when she leaves Impact Wrestling. Uh, Taya Valkyrie is another one. I'd even love to see Johnny Mundo, you know, who's not female. He's male. I would love to see uh, John Morrison actually go to AEW. I think that would be something pretty interesting and pretty cool to see. So... Just so many people out there in the wrestling world, you know, who are looking for that sole opportunity to be part of AEW or just get their name out there. 
is really interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing what AEW is going to bring in the future, especially since they sold out the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, which is about a 12 to 14,000 seat venue. So a little bit more than the Sears Center in Chicago, but still can't wait to see what's going to happen there. Moving right along, we're going to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And a big shock and turning events happened at New Beginning. Jay White, the new leader of the Bullet Club, is now the brand new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. This is very, very surprising to me, only for the simple fact that Tanahashi just won the title from Kenny Omega back at Wrestle Kingdom 13 back in January. So about a little over a month ago, Tanahashi won the title. Usually in New Japan, title reigns, especially with the heavyweight title, they do last a very long time. So for the title to change hands as fast as it did and for it to be put on Jay White shows the direction in which New Japan Pro Wrestling is going. New Japan Pro Wrestling looks to be looking at its younger talent now that the Bucks, Kenny Omega, are no longer in the picture. Are they going to rely heavily not only on Jay White, but... A man who, for the first time in his career, has signed an exclusive contract to one company. And I'm talking about Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi is known for not doing a exclusive deal just to one place. Kota Ibushi is known for taking his talents everywhere. An example of that is WWE offered him a two-year deal to be part of the Cruiserweight division when it was first starting. However, Kota did not want to do that. So, that's why they changed up their plans and made TJ Perkins the Cruiserweight Champion because it was originally supposed to be Kota Ibushi. That's a little fact there for some of you who don't know that. Another thing I want to bring up about New Japan is what direction is it going now? Because now we're going to tie in WWE with New Japan here. Rumors speculating that WWE is looking to launch NXT Japan. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, why is WWE doing an NXT in Japan? They just did NXT UK. They have the original NXT in the States. So why So why do an NXT Japan? Is this WWE, WWE's way of explain, expanding the global, global market for them to try to bring in fresh new talent? Or is this WWE's way to try and steal a lot of the talent from Japan and bring them to WWE? The way I see it is New Japan is like 
we'll speak analogy-wise here. New Japan is like the XFL or the new AAF or the Arena Football League. WWE is like the NFL. So for the NFL, it would be like the NFL doing American football, doing their brand of football in Japan. WWE expanding over to NXT, expanding NXT over Japan. To me, it just seems like either A, WWE is desperate, or B, WWE sees an opportunity to hone great Japanese talent under the WWE umbrella. Either way, I think WWE is going to see a lot of backlash, but also see some positive sides to them doing an NXT in Japan. It's going to grow the depth of the roster for the near future, but also at the same time, it's going to have fans who are diehard loyal to New Japan question their motives of whether or not they're trying to monopolize the whole wrestling industry. We've seen WWE do this before when they bought out WCW and ECW. Now, are they doing the same thing when it comes to New Japan and all the promotions in the UK since they have established NXT UK? That remains to be seen. Speaking of WWE, I touched on the Royal Rumble and TakeOver in my last podcast, the relaunch episode. I want to talk more about WWE because if you all watched Monday Night Raw, you all know that the angle that WWE is doing is that Becky Lynch has been suspended for 60 days, which is going to be past WrestleMania, and Charlotte has been put in her place storyline-wise. The reason why they're doing this is because WWE wants to make the match at WrestleMania a triple threat match. In my opinion, this is not necessary. Ronda versus Becky sells itself. You don't need Charlotte Flair. The way I see it, Charlotte Flair is getting what we wrestling fans like to call either the Roman Reigns or the John Cena treatment. And that's getting shoved down our throats at every possibility. Now, granted, granted, I know that WWE wants to try to make Charlotte the most hated person in WWE. In that aspect, they're going right about it. But there's other ways of making Charlotte the most hated person besides putting her in a triple threat with Ronda and Becky. You could just have Charlotte versus Asuka part two when Charlotte beats Asuka again and becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion. And then eventually down the road with WWE wanting to combine the female rosters, put them on both Raw and SmackDown with the establishment of the newly christened women's tag team titles. It'll be interesting to see you can do Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda then. But then again, this could also be just some formality of protecting Ronda. So Ronda still looks good, but Kano still looks like a threat. It's 
hard to tell where WWE is going. In my opinion, if Triple H was in charge of creative instead of Vince, we wouldn't be having a triple threat. We would be having just Ronda versus Becky. Now, speaking of Asuka, it is rumored that Asuka will defend the SmackDown Women's Championship against Mandy Rose. Nothing against Mandy Rose, but I see perhaps maybe Sonya Deville, Naomi as a better opposition for Asuka going into WrestleMania. Don't get me wrong, Mandy Rose is very talented. She's great in the ring. But I just don't think she's ready for a big time match. Especially at the grandest stage, WrestleMania against Asuka. Asuka is a different breed. She's a very heavily experienced. So somebody like Sona Deville or Naomi would be a better fit in my opinion. Hell, maybe even move... Alexa Bliss from Raw to SmackDown and have her challenge Asuka. That would be something great. Another thing I'm looking forward to going into WrestleMania is seeing where Shane and Miz are going to end up. I do believe that before WrestleMania, they will lose the SmackDown Tag Team Championships and go on to WrestleMania to face each other. Shane is known to have a big match at WrestleMania. Last year, he teamed with Daniel Bryan for Daniel Bryan's return. The year before that, he fought AJ Styles in the opening match. And then he fought Undertaker inside Hell in Cell upon his return to WWE. Shane McMahon, for all attended purposes, is a great attraction for WrestleMania. But the angle with him and Miz as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, it's a little off kilter for me just for the simple fact is that Shane is supposed to be an authoritative figure so to have him with a title around his waist makes it seem like we're looking at the corporation angle back from the 90s during the attitude era when he was also European champion and at one point hardcore champion so what they do with him and Miz going into WrestleMania will be very interesting to see. More than likely, Shane will probably put over Miz. Maybe Miz might put over Shane. I don't know. It would be more than likely that Miz will pull, will get put over by Shane. Saying as Shane will probably be the heel and Miz will probably be the babyface going into WrestleMania. Universal Championship. Seth Rollins. Mr. I only show up a certain amount of days of the year. This will be great to finally take the title off of Brock and give Seth an opportunity to have a great run as Universal Champion. Now, there was a lot of rumors saying that the original plans was going to be Reigns versus Rollins for the Universal Championship with either Rollins or Reigns going in as heel. Most likely Reigns. But as we all know, Reigns relinquished Universal Championship upon notifying the entire wrestling world that he was battling leukemia all over again. So much prayers to 
Roman Reigns. As we all know, he is going through his treatment and on recovery to be coming back to the WWE. Brock versus Seth will be a very interesting match. They did fight each other, compete against each other over the WWE Championship, but that was detracted with Undertaker to reignite the Lesnar-Undertaker angle from WrestleMania 30. This time, the only thing I see happening when it comes to Lesnar and Rollins going into WrestleMania is that Rollins could have help from Dean Ambrose and possibly Roman Reigns. It's hard to tell. And finally, one other thing I want to talk about is the WWE Championship. As we know, that will be defended inside the Elimination Chamber at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. In which Kofi Kingston is replacing Mustafa Ali. Now, if you watch SmackDown Tuesday night, Kofi competed for an entire hour. Finally losing to AJ Styles before AJ Styles was RKO'd out of nowhere, giving Randy Orton the advantage of being entered in last. Kofi Kingston, in my opinion, should win the chamber match on Sunday, have a nice little run to at least WrestleMania with the WWE title, and drop it to either a heel Styles or a heel Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston has been with the company for so many years. He's been a tag champion, an intercontinental champion, a United States champion. This man deserves a run with the WWE Championship. And I don't see anything more fitting than to have him win it at the chamber and walking into WrestleMania as WWE Champion against Styles or Daniel Bryan, either one. If Daniel Bryan ends up retaining and walking into WrestleMania as the WWE Champion, then there's only one man I would love to see Daniel Bryan go one-on-one with, and that is Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt can capitalize off the angle he had with Matt Hardy, and have a really great feud going into WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan. Bray Wyatt, I think, deserves that opportunity as well to have a better run with the WWE Championship than he did with his first outing when he lost the title to Randy Orton. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the WWE title picture. I would love to see Finn Balor walk into WrestleMania as Intercontinental Champion. And he ends up defending the Intercontinental title. I don't know, maybe against Chad Gable. That would be a great That would be a great match in my opinion. Chad Gable versus Finn Balor. That'd be pretty interesting to see. Who knows what they're gonna do with Balor if they don't put the Intercontinental title on him. More than likely, he's probably going to face somebody from SmackDown. I would love to see Balor versus Styles at WrestleMania. Who knows? The Revival is the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Do way, way, 
overdue. I think that the revival should have been tag team champions on Raw a long time ago. It's just a shame that them wanting their release is what provocated WWE Creative to put the Raw tag team titles on them. Now, when do I see going into the future for WWE after WrestleMania? Uh, with the Superstar Shakeup, you're probably going to see Baszler, Jessima Duke, um, and the other gal who's part of the Four Horsewomen of MMA get moved to the main roster so they can be with Ronda. So they can have that feud with Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bailey. Four Horsewomen WWE versus Four Horsewomen of MMA. That would be a very interesting thing if it's done right. I'd love to see Balor go to SmackDown. Have a nice heel run there on SmackDown as WWE champion. I'd probably see Brock going out of the picture. Just so we can do the UFC thing for a little while. You know... Get that residual Lesnar just only being there when he wants to be there kind of thing. Kind of make him feel like he's missed. I see something with Cena after WrestleMania. I'm not sure exactly what. Maybe they'll tie something in with him getting his 17th world title reign. Holding the record in WWE. Because it's not going to surpass Ric Flair. Because Ric Flair does have more world titles than 16. It's just WWE does not recognize that. Those other world title reigns. Um, I could possibly see Aleister Black. Tommaso Ciampa. Johnny Gargano. All going up to the main roster. I've already touched on Shayna Baszler, Jessima Duke, the other gal from the Four Horsewomen of MMA going to the main roster. Um, the merging of the women's division, all of them competing both on Raw and SmackDown. Probably the same thing with the men's division. They'll probably just get rid of the Universal Championship altogether and put... The WWE title on both shows. It's really hard to tell to see where that's going to go. I see them combining the United States and Intercontinental. To be just the Intercontinental title. All the champions competing on both shows. So I see the tag titles getting combined as well. In the end, WWE is probably having AEW in its rear view. Looking to see where AEW is going to go after Double or Nothing. Because depending on the success of Double or Nothing, AEW could pose a really big threat to WWE. As much as people want to say, oh, they don't have a TV deal yet. They just started. That's the thing about companies that just start. They have a fresh start. They have fresh ideas. They have fresh faces. So, they can bring something that's going to make, oh, I don't know, WWE rethink what they are doing. So, that'll be interesting to see 
what happens there. So with that being said, this has been the Babel Effect. This has been my intake on Double or Nothing, WWE's future, and New Japan's future, along with wrestling's future, period. Thank you for joining me on Episode 2. And Episode 3 will be the fan's choice. You can hit me up at my email, dabribs1 at gmail.com. You can send me an email there on what topics you want to hear out of the wrestling world. I might get a guest in here, try to get a guest in here. We'll talk about promo wrestling. One group I want to talk about in my next podcast is called Beyond the Belts. I mentioned them in the last podcast. I'm going to talk talk about them a little bit more, get you guys acquainted with Beyond the Belts. This wraps up the Babel Effect. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, as Kenny Omega would say, goodbye and good night. Bang.